Hello and welcome to Let's Talk University of Bradford, the podcast that looks at all things Bradford. My name's Chris and I'm your host. Today we're discussing the Bradford Rendell Tinchala Centre for Space AI, a centre at the forefront of the shift towards low-cost, smart and sustainable exploitation of space technology. We're joined by the director of the centre, Professor Ifiok Atung. Hello, Ifiok. Hi. Okay, so this centre is a big sort of big deal for Bradford, the university and the city, and it's got a lot of potential for doing some really cool and interesting things that I think we'd all like to know more about. Would you be able to tell us a little bit sort of how the centre came about, how it came to be, and what it aims to do as it moves forward? Yeah, thanks, Chris. Uh, the centre was uh, started thanks to a multi-million pound philanthropic uh, donation uh, by an alumnus of University of Bradford, Dr. Murthy Renduchintala, and also uh, with significant investment from the University of Bradford. Uh, the, the aim of the centre is to uh, hopefully use space technology to try to meet some of the big challenges that we face in society in the 21st century. Uh, we hope to develop skills in the use of space technology. We hope to uh, carry out various innovations, as we'll talk about perhaps uh, later on. And uh, we hope to help industry to upskill their staff as well. We'll have a lot of facilities at the center and uh, we want to get to do great and exciting things. So it sounds like the centre's going to have a lot of scope to sort of help with both education and academia, but also industrial applications and students going on to work in those industrial applications. That's correct. So you mentioned there some of the things you hope to do, sort of very headline stuff there, you know, the the grand goals. Is there anything that the centre's working on at the moment that's maybe more tangible for our listeners Uh, that we're actually doing right now or aiming towards at the moment? One of the things that uh, we we are working on at the centre is to be able to uh, launch a miniaturised satellite into low Earth orbit by the end of uh, um, next year. The the idea here is to uh, be able to test some new technologies to demonstrate low-cost exploitation of space and also to be able to um, apply whatever data we pick up from space in our research and in helping with some of the uh, challenges that we want to uh, try to address. And what are some of those challenges? You mentioned that these sort of challenges and things that we want to try and help with. What are some of the things that we are hoping to be able to assist with and do better um, through the centre? Yeah, there's, there are a number of things uh, in terms of challenges. And an example is that there is an exponentially growing demand for data transmission in society uh, with uh, smartphones, uh, with uh, social media, and so on. The demand for data and the penetration of the internet, all of those things lead to very high demand and exponentially increasing uh, data consumption. But we have a finite resource radio spectrum. It cannot increase. So we have to find ways how to use that finite resource more efficiently, more smartly, to be able to satisfy 
that exponentially growing demand. And we want to develop techniques that allow that to happen. For example, more efficient use of bandwidth. For example, the use of the higher frequencies, uh, higher radio frequencies where more bandwidth is available. But we will need to be able to overcome some of the increasing impairments when trying to use those higher frequencies. So we're looking at such areas. Space would also help us to address the issue for the digital divide between urban centers, rural areas, remote areas. Space can give us the wider coverage needed to provide internet access to areas that are inhospitable and difficult to reach using a terrestrial infrastructure. Climate change is another big challenge. How do we monitor the impact of climate change? How do we mitigate those impacts? When there is disaster, space can help us with the intervention, whether it's natural disasters like earthquake, fire, flood. The use of space technology can help to facilitate the more, more effective interventions. So our response to things that happen on Earth are significantly assisted by having infrastructure in space to help monitor things, view things, measure things. You, you've said that right, because the likelihood is that when there's an earthquake, terrestrial infrastructures are destroyed. When there's a fire, the likelihood is that base stations are destroyed. Our mobile phones may not work. But those natural disasters will not affect the space infrastructure and provided we have the right communication transceivers, we can still uh, organize emergency services for intervention to deal with the problem. So we've got something here that is globally relevant and has global impact, which it's interesting that that's happening at Bradford and I think very valuable to both the university and the city, knowing that we're doing so much good and we're aiming to do so much good to assist the global community. It's not just about doing things here right now it's putting things into space to assist everybody and i think that's very interesting and very impactful and it's good to hear yeah the there's a lot of feel-good factor about space um, activities uh, if we are successful at the bradford reducing teller center for space ai we hope to inspire not just the next generation but we hope to um, give Bradford space that uh, sort of almost like make it a global brand that can attract more people to the University of Bradford. Uh, we hope that uh, it will give an air of excellence regarding what happens in Bradford. Uh, we hope that we can not just train our students uh, but we can inspire even those who are not coming to study engineering to do better in whatever field of endeavor they are involved in. So uh, our work in space, in putting a, a technology in space, in a, developing new technologies like low-cost computing, which I will say a little bit more about when I talk about the pocket cube, our work hopefully when successful will inspire beyond just the university but the Bradford itself and a further afield.
Excellent. So it's about trying to inspire a sense of community and and excellence outside of just what the centre's doing and focusing just internally. It's about having that externally as well, other areas of the university, other students, the city, the north of England, and just ever expanding wider to a global level. It's good and really encouraging to hear that it's about everybody, but from a granular level at Bradford, but also to the global level as well, and trying to maintain that level of community excellence and, you say, feel-good factor, which is really it's interesting and it's encouraging. And we are hoping that we will also work with uh, international experts, with uh, industry experts. Some of them are already involved with the centre in helping make an input into the MSc program, the specialized MSc program that uh, we are currently running. So our work will, will be collaborative and multidisciplinary. Now you mentioned there about the microsatellite. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Because it's not a term I've heard before and it'd be interesting to sort of get a little bit of insight into what it is that you're working towards and what, you know, you mentioned what you hope to achieve with it, but more specifically how it's going to achieve those aims. I wouldn't call it microsatellite. We'll call it miniaturized satellite because it's very small. Uh, we call it a pocket cube. Uh, the reason we call it a pocket cube is that it is uh, five centimeters by five centimeters by five centimeters. That's one. So it's uh, five by five by five cm cube. That's the smallest unit. You can stack several of them so that you have five by five cm cross section and then you can have a height of five centimeters or 10 or 15 that's in multiples of five is a very small unit and what allow what that allows us to do is that we can piggyback it into space along with a, a bigger satellite launch that allows us to be able to put it into orbit at a very small cost compared to the millions of pounds that will be needed to put a big satellite into orbit. So we piggyback it along with the launch of for a bigger uh, satellite mission. Now, the idea of using a, a pocket cube is not just in terms of reducing uh, the cost of launch but also it allows you to uh, reduce the cost of building uh, the spacecraft. It allows you to be able to do space in a more cost-effective manner and therefore to make space more accessible. But the challenge is that you have a very limited surface area with which to generate power to convert solar energy into electricity. And that means you have very little power to do the transmission of signals and very little power to do the processing, the computation that you need to do. So that's why we will need to look at ways of doing low-cost, low-power computation. And that's an area that we're really excited about uh, having some innovation in. So you've got this first idea is, you know, the pocket satellite, very, very small. That itself has then generated other challenges, which as 
the students and the staff and the researchers are looking into those, it kind of branches out into other things. So it's not just that we're going to make a small satellite, it's all the challenges and complications that come with that. And the centre's tackling those and has the resources and the knowledge and expertise to be able to tackle those issues and, and solve those problems to then go on to achieve the, the primary aim. But a lot of those other challenges and solutions to those challenges will, I assume, generate wider things that can be used. For example, low, low power computing, that's not just applicable to small satellites. That could also be very useful for other applications as well. You're right. You're right. I mean, uh, in space, anything that consumes less power is good. So, because power is quite limited, even for the big satellites. And if we can develop reliable, uh, low-power computation, it means we can do more computation in space and we can reduce the volume of raw data that we need to transmit back to Earth. So we can especially bring in AI, artificial intelligence, to help us to extract the essential information from the raw data and send the essential information down, meaning that we need less bandwidth to do that. So we are using uh, space more sustainably and we can expand the capacity of how many people are operating in space because each one uses less of the radio spectrum to be able to send information down. So we've talked about the, the sort of pocket satellite and the aims and the goals and what we hope to achieve with the centre. The flagship programme for the centre is the MSC Satellite Systems Engineering Programme. How is that programme sort of structured both to help with those aims but also to benefit the students that are studying on it um, achieve their own goals and their own career aspirations? The, the MSC in Satellite Systems Engineering is... Uh, quite unique uh, in the UK. Uh, we are not only trying to give the students uh, skills, understanding of space dynamics, orbital dynamics, but also the telecommunications aspect. Uh, also, we are trying to give them skills in the use of artificial intelligence, AI, to optimize decision-making. AI has become very uh, popular in the last decade, and uh, AI is very much part of the MSc program. Uh, the focus of our training there is the use of AI in space technologies, but this can be applied in various other areas of life, including healthcare and, uh, and so on. So the MSc is also delivered in collaboration with industry experts, and that helps the students to have industry-ready skills uh, once they program, once they graduate. The, so the modules that we cover are such that the students can go out into a career in the space industry or a career in mobile communications, uh, industry like 5G um, services, a career in uh, the RF sector, radio frequency sector, RF engineering, and uh, even the general telecommunications, uh, the wider telecommunications industry. Or they may just, based on the skills that they have 
uh, acquired in the use of in project planning, in the use of AI, they may even move away slightly from telecommunications engineering and just work in services that need or benefit from the use of AI. So you're basically preparing students not only to achieve the aims of the centre, which is, whilst that's one consideration, it's preparing them with a whole suite of skills and equipping them to have a potentially quite broad career, depending on what their own personal aspirations are. And I think that's very telling of what the centre's aiming to do here. It's not just about the goals and aims of the centre, it's about providing a well-rounded education and a well-rounded solution to problems outside of just we want to do this it's a lot broader than that it's a lot more meaningful than that yeah that you are right the program the msc covers navigation satellite systems earth observation satellite systems communication satellite systems but also ai and distributed computing and uh, the students work in groups so they learn how to uh, how engineers uh, work in teams and they also have case studies that are drawn from industry. So they're actually involved in practical uh, problem solving. And we've tried to ensure that the students are exposed and uh, acquire proficiency in the use of industry standard software. An example of that is STK, which is used by the leading space agencies in the design of space missions. Our students receive proficiency in the use of STK, MATLAB, and various other industry uh, standard uh, packages. It's very interesting to hear how the MSC Satellite Systems Engineering Program equips the students, how it benefits the students, and how the program itself uh, slots into the Bradford Render Tinchala Center for Space AI's wider operations and research. But the center, whilst being focused on education, doesn't just allow for education. I believe it's also allowed um, for us to pitch to host the 2023 International Communications Satellite Systems Conference here in Bradford, which is the first time it's been hosted in England. What does that mean for the city and for the centre? And what exactly is that conference all about to bring about those benefits? We've been very fortunate that uh, Bradford is going to host the International Communications Satellite Systems Conference. Uh, this conference is widely regarded as a premier technical conference in uh, space technologies, uh, specifically communications, uh, satellite and earth observation. The um, conference was actually started way back in 1966 as uh, to celebrate the first anniversary of the um, beginning of commercial satellite communications. That was the launch of a satellite that was known as Early Bird, uh, later on renamed Intelsat 1. That started in April 1965. So this conference has been going on since 1966. It was held once every two years, and then it became an annual event. It brings together experts from industry, academia, space agencies, regulatory bodies to network together to discuss the latest ideas in space technologies and some of the challenges that need to be resolved and to form networks that can lead to fruitful uh, collaborations. The, it's very good that Bradford will have the opportunity to host such uh, uh, an assembly, such uh, 
a, a variety of experts in the field. We are hoping that it will feed into uh, the city's status as uh, a city of culture for 2025 because we are looking at how uh, AI can play a part in that celebration of Bradford's uh, city of culture uh, status. So the conference is held over four days and uh, has a number of social events that the university will contribute to, uh, technical events that researchers in the university can present, uh, that's technical sessions uh, researchers can present their papers in, and researchers from around the world bring their latest work, and industry also exhibit uh, some of the latest developments in their, in their field. It's really encouraging to hear that we're able to host such a prestigious event and that the centre can be a conduit for such a prestigious event to not only benefit the city, as you mentioned, with trying to sort of link those things in with the city of culture, but also benefit our students, our staff and the people that, that live here. So that's incredibly encouraging. I thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today. It's been very intriguing to learn more about the centre and learn more about what it aims to achieve as it moves forward and grows. And I'm sure it's only going to continue to develop and do positive things as time progresses. So thank you all for listening and thank you to our wonderful guest, Ifiok, for joining us. Be sure to follow us on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram by searching the University of Bradford. And as always, take care, everyone.